0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host Jane Nakata, a coach for women here in Japan and the creator of the Jumpstart course and the Women in Japan Mastermind. So, if you are listening to this episode and it's live, I think it's June tenth, and we will have just finished an amazing weekend uh, event here in Iwaki in Yumoto Onsen, Iwaki, Fukushima. And I've had women from all over the place come to join my live event. It's called Inspire You in Yumoto. So I've done this event three times now. this will be the third time that I will have done it. And um, yeah, so some of the things that I've learned from doing this event three times over, I will definitely be sharing with you in a podcast coming up. So keep in listening out for that. Um, As I'm recording now, it hasn't actually happened yet, but (laughs) I'm sure there'll be lots more to share by the time that comes around. Um, But, you know, just a quick takeaway right now is just to keep doing things, you know? Like um the first time I did this event was uh over a, a year ago and you know, I struggled to get people to join up and I could have easily I actually almost threw in the towel like 2 weeks before I was like no, nobody's coming, nobody wants to come, I'm a loser, <laughs> you know all those things. Um but luckily, some of my friends, um, Jackie Miyabayashi and Helen Iwata, stepped up and said, no, we are not going to let you cancel this event. Get on with it. And so I did. And I'm ever so grateful for that because, it, you know, it's it's gone. This will be the third time we're doing it now. And, yeah, people can't wait to to join now. Before it was like, what is this and and all that. So, yeah, definitely keep persevering. Keep uh, reiterating and uh, doing things things you know over and over to give people a chance to get used to what you're doing and then they're more likely to join in too. So that's just a little aside. And today on the podcast I have my lovely friend Elizabeth talking to you. Now Elizabeth is a or well, she's ex-corporate as you will hear. She worked in the financial industry for a long time and she after she uh, decided to stop uh, working in corporate she has started her own business as help, with helping entrepreneurs with their uh, money mindsets and their with you know creating more financial security in you know, in their business and actually helping them to create streams of revenue to actually work on getting income, yeah, in their business to help their businesses be successful. So you might be thinking, but I don't have a business, this isn't relevant to me. And I I say, no, 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 don't switch off because actually um, what she's talking about can be translated to your life, wherever, whatever you're doing, yeah, because talking about these money mindset things. Um, she shares something very personal about what happened when she quit her job in corporate finance, and I also come out with my own story as well, so definitely listen, and um, I'm sure you will come away with something you, you can take away from this episode. Yeah, so I hope you enjoy our chat here with Elizabeth. So here we go. Hi Elizabeth and welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming.
1: Thank you for having me Jane. I am so so excited about this. I've really really been looking forward to it.
0: Yeah me too and so before we get started into you know things let's just Sort of tell the listeners, like, you know, how we met and all of that, because that's a bit of a cool story, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. We met um, here in San Diego, and uh, I feel like it was one of my uh, fortunate meetings uh, that weekend when we met at the conference. Um, You know, I was just telling you that, uh, I don't know, as soon as we started talking, I just kind of knew. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to be friends.
0: Yeah, it was just weird. We just started talking and like an hour later or something, all the people had gone away and we were still talking. (laughs)
1: Totally. And I don't even know if I even told you this, but you were actually standing at a table like kind of close to the exit. I was actually on my way out. And I just, I don't know. I was like, oh God, I have to talk to this person. And then, yeah, we ended up uh, talking for like an hour, but it was, it was absolutely amazing. I'm so glad I met well, you. Well,
0: I did not know you were on your way out, but yeah. I was standing near the exit. Oh, well, I'm glad I saved you from leaving too early. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> Very yeah. cool. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Elizabeth and I met in uh, California last year, and yeah, I've been following what you're up to over the year. You have the most like beautiful horses oh, that you, yeah. you look after. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so, um, I wasn't always into horses, actually. Um, I did, uh, I grew up uh, on a bit of land, and I always rode uh, dirt bikes as a child. I started when I was five, um, but my Wife actually was a professional racehorse jockey in Australia. She was actually the first apprentice jockey in Victoria. So when I teamed up with her, there was no doubt that I was going to have to get someone acclimated to horses. (laughs) Like I just knew that going into it. Right. It was sort of one of those unspoken things. So, uh, you know, I, uh, when we lived in the city, you know, I worked in corporate for a lot of years and lived in the city and, um, I didn't have horses then, but then we ended up moving outside of the city when I left corporate and we got some land and we got a horse ranch. And then my whole horse riding experience began. And, um, but of course, instead of, um, just riding trails and doing all of that, I decided I wanted to do a sport called three-day eventing, which is basically like a triathlon on the back of a horse. So I basically took my love of, you know, jumping and dirt bikes, and I basically just applied it to a horse. Okay. Although I will say that the, the dirt bike listens a lot better than the horse does.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So I just imagine you'd always been like a horse person, but to- that not at all.
1: Yeah. You know, what's funny is that, um, I was around them a few times as a child and I remember being really, really drawn to them. And, um, a friend that I, um, got back in contact with, she, she reminded me of when, like, I just couldn't wait to go to her house and see her horse. And I would kind of forgotten about that. So I think I've actually always been drawn to them. It's just, you know, sometimes you just, you almost, you go through life and you're almost not aware of something until it sort of presents itself into an entirely new way. And, um, but once I, once I got back connected with them, um, yeah, they, they are part of, of my big overall journey now, which, you know, I can talk about later on if, if you want to, but definitely part of my big legacy goal is, um, contributing and, and saving horses. I, I, I feel very connected to them and fortunate that they're part of my life.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I love horses as well. And I think I told you I'm actually highly allergic to them and I can't be around them. Like Is I can't even th- go to the races. Like there's just too much really? hair and dust in the air. And I, oh. yeah. So um, when I was, uh, how old was I? It's been about 12. Our school went on a school trip and it was a horse riding, you know, we went on a horse ride for the school trip. And I'd never been on a horse before. And my mother grew up like riding horses and things on her farm as a kid. And so I just assumed, you know, I'll be able to ride horses too. And so I went on this horse trip. And at the end of the day, I was like, damn, I'm itchy and I'm itchy everywhere. <laughs> and I got home and I was like, oh my God, my face is swollen up. I can't see out of my eyes. And um, yeah, like two days I had to stay home from school. And yeah, ever since then, it's like, when I get near uh, um, horses or I go to like a a horse eventing thing or horse racing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Allergies. So yeah, I like to admire the horses via Instagram (laughs) where I can't get any allergies. So yeah, I love watching what you guys are up to over there on your, um, on your ranch. Yeah.
1: Yes. Thank you. Well, you, you, you like dogs though. You have a dog and, and you're, so that doesn't happen with dogs, right? No allergies. Um,
0: yeah no allergies for dogs especially my dog doesn't molt he's one of those types that yeah yeah, doesn't drop hair that's kind of one of the reasons why we chose that breed Mm -hmm. um to just for the low allergy sort of things yeah so that helps (laughs) as well but yeah yeah, i do love i do love dogs as well and and animals in general Yeah. yeah yeah so um well when you're not riding horses and things, <laughs> <laughs> what is it that you do? Yeah? Uh,
1: when I'm not riding horses, I usually spend uh, the rest of my day uh, helping people with their money, talking about money. Um, I have a background in corporate finance and I sort of when I left corporate, I didn't actually realize this at, at the time. So I guess it's the second thing that we've brought up that I really wasn't aware of. So I don't know, maybe this is like a pattern for me, but I wasn't a, I, I didn't realize that I was going to continue this, this onto um, having my own business and doing this. But um, I actually have a company now called uh, Financial Story, and I help entrepreneurs speed up their growth by incorporating a revenue strategy in their business. And um, it's something that uh, I see a lot of larger companies do. And I think it's something that's really missing with entrepreneurs because it's just, they have kind of a different uh, way of thinking about money than if they had, if they were in a larger corporation or if they were sort of at a different stage of their business. And so um, I see entrepreneurs get stuck where they end up going, months and months and sometimes years and they're sort of trying all these new things but it's not making money for them and so i sort of try and bring that back to them and say okay let's kind of almost put that responsibility on yourself if you will saying okay well yes i'm going to go out and do these things but i'm going to do this with a revenue strategy right which is is kind of like a map you know if you were if you were going to hike a mountain, you know uh, sure you want to meander around a little bit, but you 're better off if you have a map because that 's going to get you in the most there in the most direct way and the quickest way, so I really help people monetize earlier than they normally would if that makes any sense
0: mm, yeah and and I think like well, I also see a lot of entrepreneurs and you know as i 'd go about my own business and yeah, there's a lot of trying new things and doing this and seeing if it'll work, and but they haven't worked their numbers and or you know done the numbers as they they say or even thought about numbers. You know that it's like oh, I'm doing this because it's fun and it makes my makes me happy or something, but yes. it's not sustainable and it doesn't you know feed your family or pay the bills or things right, and it's not going to mm-hmm. last if you haven't got the money stream figured out.
1: Yeah, and and you hit it on the head with that, right? Because it's not going to last. And what I see is people, they uh, either lose momentum, um, or they start making sort of hasty revenue generating decisions, we'll call them, um, that really... Aren't the decisions they normally would have made? You know, it's not what they truly want. It's not what they started with when they when they started the business. It's it. it in other words, it, it diverges from the biz, from the vision of the original business. And goes down to well, I just need to make money, right? right and so, hanging
0: fruit, whatever I can get to keep yeah, the wolf from the door, yeah. kind of thing, yeah.
1: Yeah, and and then and then you're sort of, and then what happens? You go down that path, and you, that's not going to be a temporary path because then you're making money, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I try and sort of save people from that, I guess, if you will, because um, you know it's one of the things that I think um, is frustrating for entrepreneurs, and I think really trips them up.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, potentially the reason they have gone into the entrepreneurial line of work is to be creative, is to be doing something that's not necessarily thinking about, well, where is actually this money going to come from, right? Whereas, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, that sort of could be a, a large character trait of a lot of people who are doing entrepreneurial type businesses.
1: Yeah, exactly. And by having a revenue strategy, um, you don't actually have to, um, it doesn't take the meandering out of it necessarily. Like you're, you're still able to try new things, but I guess trying new things with a plan is different than trying something new that just, you're going to, you know, throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. Because I mean, Entrepreneurs spend a lot of money just keeping themselves in business before they actually start making money. And I don't know if people are really considering that all the time, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. So, um, for, so for our listeners who are <clears throat> new to this idea of money and money mindset and thinking about money, what, what is money mindset like? How would you... Yeah. Uh,
1: I think uh, money mindset to me really is, it has more to do with how money flows in and out of your life than anything else. Um, Money mindset to me is sort of your behavior and your relationship with money, right? Do you, um, do you absolutely uh, hate checking your bank account do you um, you know does it does it make you feel uncomfortable when you have to um, pay for something? Uh, do you feel stressed about money? Do you worry about money that type of stuff so I think I think that's really um, what I would consider money mindset and I think it's really great that you are bringing this up on the podcast chain because, um, one of the one of the giant things that I see that sort of separates um, people who are just just starting out versus people who sort of you know they've they've got money coming in and they, and they they've got some wind beneath their sail in their business and kind of stuff is that when you're first starting out it's really difficult to um, to not make money decisions based on your own beliefs and your past experiences about money right mm. but what you're but what you're and I'll try to uh, hopefully I'm explaining this correctly but but the funny thing is you're trying to run a company and so the decisions the the financial decisions that need to be made within your company are completely independent of your money beliefs and what you're bringing to the table and i see that trip people up a lot because they really don't know how to separate those two things
0: Mm, I like how you worded that. Yeah. I've actually, you know, of course I've done my money mindset work and things, but I've never really thought of it like that. Yeah. That we have to separate our personal money beliefs and experiences from the company or the the business, right? They shouldn't be same, same. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 they shouldn't. And you know, if you if you think about it, in a in a larger company, um, that wouldn't even be acceptable. Yet we accept that, you know, as um, you know, stage one entrepreneurs in a large company, um, you would not be allowed to bring your own money beliefs into it. Of course, you'd you'd be that would be silly, right? You would never make a company decision based on that. Yet we do that, and so and that keeps that that keeps people really it keeps people small, honestly.
0: Mm, It does, it does. And I notice, you know, some of my listeners are not business owners as well, or, you know, a lot of them may be, you know, thinking, oh, it might be cool to do this or that. Um, But Mm -hmm. potentially some of them are, yeah, also not business owners. And so how do you see people doing this in their, in their daily lives? Is this um, like revenue, revenue, what did you call it? The revenue strategy? Um, Yes. Is that, Something that we could bring into our daily lives as well,
1: absolutely, and uh, depending on what stage uh, you know the entrepreneur is when they when they come to work with me, um, I do work with people sometimes on you know it, it does merge into it, their personal life a bit right because my ultimate goal is always to help people make more money in their business, but We want to make more money in our business so that we can create financial freedom and financial independence in our life, right? So that our portfolio of assets actually earns enough so that we then have the option to work or not work, right? So Mm -hmm. it's sort of like a waterfall effect, right? So these money decisions and money mindset um, definitely um, applies outside of, of business and Um, One of the things that, that I think, you know, for your listeners that uh, maybe aren't um, business owners at this stage, I think something that I've seen trip people up in terms of personal finance stuff is that people make money decisions and big life altering money decisions, sometimes based on unlikely outcomes. And, um, I think the reason that people do that is because like, we kind of get it in our mind. Like, like, you know, you hear, I'll use real estate as an example. Cause I love, I love investing in real estate. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> so, um, some, you know, I've heard a lot. Um, oh, I don't want to own real estate because it's just, it's too much of a pain or what if I can't rent it or blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. I was actually working with a client a couple of weeks ago and, uh, she, uh, she is in a, uh, a corporate job and she believes that she's pretty much going to have the same salary for quite a long time within reason, right? But she doesn't see a whole lot of shifting with that, but she wants to reach financial independence and she wanted to retire early, right? So I said, okay, great, no problem, but we got to figure out what other pieces we're going to bring into this, right? because you can only cut your cost of living and do th- you you, mm. you can only work with what you've got right so um i suggested to her would you be interested in uh maybe buying a rental property and uh she said exactly one of those things she said well no because i would be scared that i that what if i couldn't rent it mm. and i said okay well um what if you hired a management company? Well, then you know what if what if they don't answer the phone and then I have to deal with the plumbing or blah blah blah. In other words, my point is that she was bringing up um, very unlikely outcomes, right? I mean, I've owned mm-hmm. rental properties for over ten years, and so you know I can and and I know a lot of people who have have invested in real estate, and the amount of phone calls you're going to get over a plumbing issue. Um, sure you 're going to get them, but it's it 's not very often right and and the benefit of owning real estate far outweighs that so when we actually did the numbers, uh, I broke it out, and she was actually going to have to work five additional years, literally put in thousands of more hours at her regular corporate job to equal the benefit of investing in a rental property. Mm-hmm. And so um, had we not had that conversation, and I'm not saying that it was because we did have, she could have come to that some other way, but that conversation and things like that basically knocked out that unlikely outcome for her, right? So she could have, she could have carried that her whole life. She could have carried that um, belief with her, her whole life that she doesn't She doesn't care about investing in real estate. But now, even if she doesn't buy real estate, that's okay too. But now she's going to think, well, I've got to work five extra years.
0: Yeah, (laughs) like seeing the reality, like with the numbers, like a lot of us, you know, who are not really interested in numbers are sort of scared to look, do you know what I mean? Or to calculate or to sort of, yeah, even have a go at thinking about what that might look like. But if you do, yeah, it can become very clear as to w- what you should be doing. It's obvious, right? When you see the numbers. And that's something I'm, yeah, I'm also working on, like doing the numbers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, of just winging it.
1: <laughs> and, you know, I get it. It's, it's, it's not fun, right? Especially if um, you don't have a close relationship with money or you don't sort of Welcome money into your life, or or you kind of if you get that if you get that odd feeling in your stomach when you you know have to pay a bill or talk about money or something, then of course you're not going to want to you know look at the numbers for for something like that.
0: You know, Um,
1: Mm. I I understand that completely.
0: So how can we sort of get through being like that? Like that's not a great way to continue living, is it? Really, like every expense that you have to pay, or you know, like. Feeling that feeling of dread every time you know you have an expense like something unexpected that you don't want to pay for like you know you need a new air conditioning unit or you know something boring like that right
1: <laughs> yes yeah yes. like
0: it's different if perhaps if you're going to buy something exciting or whatever but yeah having that feeling of dread oh am I going to be am I going to be okay if I have you know because we have to pay for this how do we get through being like that is there hope for any of us yes
1: (laughs) yes um, I think uh, I think the the most direct way to sort of hit that on the head is to um, to ask yourself do you think it's difficult to make money because a lot of people think that um, when they have money then it's just something that they have the potential to lose or um, it could go away or money is difficult to make. And it's just, it's just like any other perception, Jane. Like, if you think that money is difficult to make, then that's your perception. So money is going to be difficult to make because if it, it is what you
0: believe it is, right? Yeah, it becomes your reality, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it becomes your reality um, because our perception basically determines what our, what our reality is. So um, I think really asking your, yourself questions like that, well, do I think money is difficult to make? Do I, do I see this as hard? Do I feel like I have to go out there and work so hard for my money, right? Because it's actually at the end of the day, it's not the money. Like, you know, money takes the blame for so many things but money is just energy right it's just a it's just a, a physical form of energy um but it's actually what's behind money like what what money represents to you that's driving all of this and so if you can sort of mentally sort of push the idea of money to the side and go well, what's mentally behind money? What did my parents think about money? What do I really believe about money? You know, how is, how does money, how is it handled within my relationship? Even what am I saying to my kids? You know, Mm, that's where that's really, um, I think that's, that's kind of the first step in all of it.
0: Yeah. Especially, um, what you said, these perceptions, we have sort of grown up thinking of as facts. Yeah. Um, Whereas actually they're not, they're just perceptions.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, for example, my, um, my family, the, in my family, the perception of money was, yeah, you have to work for money. Yeah. It doesn't just come to you. Um, And if it, if, and, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it was my parents in particular that instilled this in me, but just, you know, growing up and around the people I grew up, with and where my family lived and worked this was sort of the the discussions that i heard or whatever um also that rich people they did something not you know they got their money through you know doing stuff that wasn't right or tricking people or being Mm -hmm. really miserly or being you know um cheating people that sort of thing i often heard discussions like that and but of course there, of course there are people like that yeah they that's true but not everybody is either so yeah mm-hmm. um there's sort of um yeah being very what sort of a or b you know black and white about it there is no um you know or of course all rich people are cheaters and liars <laughs> 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 yeah it's and i really it's yeah but, um it seems real. It's, it seems like it's a fact. Yeah.
1: And it's so funny how, I mean, you know, even though, you know, being on opposite sides of the world, it's so funny how that um, belief has proliferated itself. Isn't that crazy? I mean, three years. The whole
0: world it's all over. Like it's a, it's a universal belief about money I'm sure in pretty much every country um, and even in Japan. Yeah. There's a lot of that.
1: Yeah. But you know, um, so let's just, let's just pick that apart for a second. Um, so that, you know, maybe if your listeners, uh, had the same experience that, that mm. you do with that and that, like we said, most of the world does. So, um, so if you're, you said that your parents, uh, basically said, you know, you had to, you had to work for money, mm. right? That's just, that was just a reality, right?
0: Experienced. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then you as an adult, let's say you're starting your own business or, or whatever, or let's say you have a corporate job that you actually enjoy. Well, so if you're doing something that feels easy, then in your mind, that doesn't translate to work. And if that doesn't translate to work, then you are not worthy of getting paid. Yeah. You see how we go down the rabbit hole there?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: And, um, when people don't like create this awareness around that they're feeling this way, then what happens in terms of like, say pricing their product or, um, going out there and asking for a raise or something, then, you know, one of the last words we said down that rabbit hole was unworthy Mm -hmm. when in reality that's, it, it it has nothing to do with who they really are, the job that they're doing, what they're bringing to the table. It is 100% tied back to that single statement that you have to work for your money.
0: Mm, definitely. Yeah. I'll give an example of something that happened to me not that long ago and on this topic, like, um, so I was selling tickets to an event that I was hosting and it was the first time that I've done this event. It was a live event here in Japan. And I had to, I like, I had to work to get people in that room. Like it was the first time. Nobody knew, could sort of really get to grips with what I would be doing at this event. And it was really tricky getting people to actually pay the money and come. But somehow I managed to get like 12 people to come to the event. And the event was a huge success. Like it was great. Everybody loved it. And at the end of the event, I said... If you'd like to come next time, there's going to be another one in six months. You can get your ticket today and it'll be at a you know slightly discounted price it's because you're my mm-hmm. first customers. Thank you so much. And pretty much everybody bought a ticket oh. for the next event on the day at, you know, and so I left the event with this big pocket full of money, right? And I went mm-hmm. home and I freaked out because I had all this money that I hadn't worked hard for. Oh. You see how it just sort of like, yes. you know, obviously I, you know, I had worked hard that first round. I'd worked really hard to get people to come mm-hmm. but you know, the, 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 on, the, the onflow or the, um, I don't know what the, the momentum so mm-hmm. all this other money came to me and I had a lot of trouble accepting that money. I was sort of, I felt sick in my stomach.
1: Did you feel like that you didn't deserve that money?
0: Yeah, because I hadn't, done
1: anything for it you hadn't hadn't worked yet for it
0: yeah i hadn't like sweated and grovelled or you know like (laughs) hustled and you know all those words that you hear i hadn't you know it had just sort of like come floating towards me in a big river um which is what we would dream about right Uh yeah we dream about money just sort of coming to us but then when it happens like that was when i realized oh my god i still have not dealt with this Issue of have to work hard for my money, or I'm not earning this. I didn't earn this money. Um, I obviously still carry that belief, you know. Mm-hmm. Because yes. here's, the, here's the evidence that I still believe that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that was a real eye-opening experience for me to observe myself. Yeah, um, yeah, was mm.
1: That is great. Now, do you think? Um, do you think if you'd sort of if you'd been able to turn the tables in your mind at that moment and say, well, yes, I don't feel like I deserve this because I haven't, I haven't quote unquote worked for it yet. Um, but I, I am aware that I'm providing an enormous amount of value to these people who got so much from the event that they were at that there was no doubt in their mind that they, they wanted to attend that again. So if you weren't changing their life, they would not have done that. Right. So that value that you're providing to them and that excitement in between and that looking forward to that and, and, and the trip and planning it. And like, so you see what I'm saying? Like ter- about turning the tables. So, so in other words, if you could turn the tables away from you even, Right, and Yeah. look at it like okay, the value that you're providing to them, and I and I think, and I think that we all have to do this on a regular basis, especially when when we are in business and we're thinking about pricing and stuff like that. Because if you think about pricing in terms of well, this is how much money I feel like I deserve or need or want, then that that has nothing to do with your customer. Right? It's 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 shouldn't even be connected.
0: Right. Yeah. It's not actually about you. Is it in the end? Right. It's about them. And what price do they need to pay to get what they need from you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, so that, that story that I just told you was happened yeah. a, a year or so ago. And, wow. um, so since then I, I can see I've definitely, um, Yeah. Grown, yeah um, because, yeah, we had the event again. I did the same thing again. I walked away with a big pocket full of money and I was like, Okay, I'm fine. I'm I'm not wigging out this time. I'm fine, <laughs> you know, like Good for uh,
1: you. you know, that did, is
0: great. Yeah, I did grow. Yeah, definitely. But so you already so you did realize the value then. You just um, you Yeah, did. yeah. Like I like yeah. that that was a turning point for me, I think. Mm-hmm. To 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 experience that sort of yucky feeling and be like, well, whoa whoa whoa, 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 what's going on here? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, oh, money story popping up, <laughs> observing myself. You. And yeah, really noticing, oh, okay, this is something that is, needs working on. And yeah, I need to realize, yeah, this isn't about me. This is this money shows what people uh, experience today, yeah, the value they got, what you just said, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a symptom of the value that they walked away from our event with.
1: Yeah, well, you, you did the hardest part, because the hardest part is just being aware that you're doing it. After that, um, it's just a practice of knowing how to ask yourself the right questions, and if you know how to ask yourself the right questions, you can actually get yourself um, out of any kind of situation like that but mm. being aware that's what's so so hard so good for you for for doing that for being aware of that
0: yeah it's it is like it's that awareness isn't it it's, it goes yep. across everything it's not just money it could be yep. your relationships with food or your relationships in general um mm-hmm. awareness of what you're actually doing yeah or believing or thinking yeah it's huge to to notice those things so Yay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah, I like how we can, yeah, if we turn the tables and think what is it that our customer or whoever is the value they're getting from this service or product or whatever, then we can more accurately price our services and products and things rather than thinking about it from our perspective, something that we can be so easy to do. You know mm-hmm. and we tend not to value those things right those those skills or those things that we have that were innate abilities even to do things they don't have a value to us but to other people they do and that's who we should be thinking about when we're thinking about how much to charge for things yeah yeah
1: too. yes definitely because I think um, you know the the reasons that the, that the uh, customer is going to buy the products are so incredibly different than the reasons that you believe they're going to buy the product that, I mean, it, you're just kind of wasting your time trying to guess why they're going to buy it anyway. So you might as well go ahead and turn the tables and say, well, what is the value that I'm really offering here? Because like I said, you're not going to guess it right anyways. And the and the, the next part of that is that um, when you're selling that product and you're in front of someone and you're talking about it, you naturally have more confidence about it if you're just focused on the value rather than the price. Mm. And so if you've if you've swapped that in your mind and you're saying no, this is not about price. This is about value. Then it comes through in the energy, right? You know, I mean, you can pick up on the energy. Of course, we all pick up on the energy of someone standing in front of us or even, even, you know, a video or podcast or whatever. And um, yeah. So um, it's, it's it, this, this whole money thing is such a rabbit hole thing. It's like, and that, that, honestly, that's one of the things that fascinates me about it. And that's one of the things I love about doing this, you know, is helping people, believe that they can actually get that money because i think it's i think it's really it's really easy to put together a revenue strategy and say okay i want to make 100k this year right you hear that all the time right mm-hmm. but do you really believe you can make that 100k mm-hmm. and um what is the path that's going to take you to that 100k and are you going to are you going to be partway there in july instead of just waiting until november right because um if you don't believe that you can actually make it like i'll give you an example um if you were to ask like if you were to ask elon musk you know elon musk is the ceo of tesla Mm. okay so it's a it's a it's a popular car over here it's sort of like an electric mercedes right so uh elon musk is like uh one of the the um Famous CEOs I 'll call it, so uh, if you were to ask him um, what is the uh, what's the most direct path to make a hundred thousand dollars, his answer would be very different than if you were to ask to someone you know off the street what's the most direct path to make a hundred thousand dollars. And it's not because he has better ideas. It's because he believes that it's so easy to make a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, he probably makes a million dollars a day. So to him, that's so easy. Even if you said to him, Oh, you can't use any of your companies or blah,", blah It has to be a brand new idea and you have to start it right now. It would be no <laughs> big deal. Right. Yeah, yeah. It'd be no big deal. But for, for someone else that could be like, Oh my God, you know, that could be monumental. So it, it, it so goes down to the limitations uh, that we have within ourselves. And that's what I really try and breathe into that revenue strategy. Because I think when people think of a revenue strategy, they just think of the numbers. But if you leave it at that, you're not going to get there. It's got to be a 50-50
0: thing. Yeah. Even like just the word revenue strategy, I'm like, too hard.
1: <laughs> I know it's it's awful, isn't it? I should probably think of what's, a different a word.
0: Really, a help really me think cool. of a different word. Like exciting name for revenue strategy. <laughs> like I know.
1: I don't know help I me. It. Help. <laughs> I know. Help me think of a different word. That's it, it is. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a bad. It's a. It is a, a scary word. But um yeah.
0: Okay. So any listeners out there, if you're like, I'm, I'm not great with names of things either. So if you're listening and you're like, you should totally call it this, you know, like,
1: yes, please send, <laughs> Tell send me a message or send Jane a message. One of the two, please.
0: Revenue strategy. Do you find a new strategy that makes you want to go do it instead of hide under um, the bed? Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yes. Yes. I am so open to that. Oh my gosh. I would so appreciate anyone's thoughts on how I could you know make it seem easier to people you know because I really don't think this stuff is hard like I said like in the beginning to me it's just it's just the choice of having a map when you go up the mountain or not having a map um it's just a more direct way to get there Mm.
0: you know and if you've been lost on the mountain then you know how important a map is I mean I have actually been lost on a mountain (laughs) me too
1: I'm liking this <laughs> map analogy that you booked <laughs> <laughs> Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So um for like 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 obviously a lot of my listeners are women and some of them are in mm-hmm. business themselves. What do you is the sort of like the big red flags you see um them doing, like women in general doing in business they that you'd um, like to bring people's attention to or not Um, doing, for example. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say that I, I think, um, and I would say everyone does this, but I would say especially women because women are such doers and they're caretakers and, um, they feel such a, um, just, I believe an innate responsibility just to make sure that, you know, Um, everyone's taken care of, the family's taken care of, the home's taken care of, things like that, that I I think that that sort of um, weaves its way into business in that um, I think that they have a tendency to get caught up more in the daily to-dos and what they should do and what they feel like they need to be doing or what they saw this other person doing versus I think that – men have a tendency to sort of see the bigger picture and maybe operate a little bit more off the cuff towards that big uh, overall money-making decision, if you will. And so that's um, something that I think that we have to catch ourselves on. And I have to catch myself on this too, which is one of the reasons that I do feel like I understand it um, is because you know, you look at this this list that you have of the stuff to do, or something that you've just heard about, and you think it's so interesting, right? You're like, okay, uh, like for instance, uh, you know, okay, I need to do live video three days a week. Okay, so well, okay, yes, that is a that is a really good thing to do, and of course, we all know that they know everything's going to video and blah blah blah. But what is that really going to do? Uh, is that really going to bring in more revenue to your business? And if you believe it is, then how can you actually tie some metrics to it? Meaning, can you try it for two months? And then if it hasn't brought in an extra $2,000, Then you make a decision at that point. In other words, how can we not just continue doing that and just pressing that button over and over and over again because we've made that decision and we feel like we need to do it? How can we keep bringing ourselves back to that overall money direction, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what ends up um, taking people so much longer to do this because it really doesn't take that long to create a revenue generating business. Um, It takes about as long as we think it's going to take.
0: (laughs) <laughs> generally <laughs> i think yeah and just like anything it takes as long as you give it right so yeah you're like oh, i'm gonna give myself five years to be um you know to quit my job yeah in five years i'm gonna have enough revenue in my business to quit my job it's like okay it's gonna take five years it's gonna take exactly yep. five years or you know even longer potentially it could, took, it could have taken a year but you decided five years so five years it is yeah yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That is. That is exactly. That's exactly right. I'm, um, you know, if you, it's just like you get ready to, uh, you know, run a marathon. Well, uh, if you have four months to train, you have four months to train. But if someone told you they'd give a, you a million dollars if you could run it in a month, then you probably wouldn't run a mile tomorrow. You would probably go ahead and run four miles, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> gonna, I'll be out there
0: every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're gonna set
1: that pace, right? You're gonna yeah. set your own pace.
0: I'll run that
1: marathon. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, you know, speaking of, um, you know, setting pace and timelines and stuff, you know, um, I, uh, invested my way out of corporate. Basically I, I said, Hey, you know, I, I don't want to work in corporate anymore, but I don't want to go down to, you know, making no money when I leave. And that was just like, no right or wrong with that. That was just, you know, more of a comfortability thing with me. So, um, you know, I said it was going to take five years and you know what? It took exactly five years, but there we go. Looking (laughs) back, I probably could have done that a lot faster.
0: (laughs) See, even Elizabeth could have done that a lot faster. So, you know, yeah, we all have things to learn. Yes. Well, that's very cool that you, you set that goal for yourself and you achieved it. And now you are living a, an independent life. You know, you're, well, you are earning money and doing Mm -hmm. what you want to do, right? Instead of doing something to further another person's goals. You're f- furthering your own goals. Yeah. Yes. With what you're doing. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yes. Yes, I absolutely am. But you know um, I, you know, it, for, for as much as I uh, am doing really well with this right now, I don't want to paint the, Picture that this was just always, you know, rosy. Either I mean, when I when I left corporate, I definitely left. Um, you know, I had a financial strategy in place for myself, and I def- definitely left it a com- comfortable place. But um, I, what I didn't realize is that I was under the impression that because I had been so successful in my corporate job that I was also going to be that successful as an entrepreneur. In other words, I thought, um, well, I have a really great relationship with money. And because I've made money in the past, that means I'm always going to make money. And I can't tell you how wrong I was with that. Mm. And I sat in that, honestly, Jane, I sat in that for probably a year. and, And one day, I don't know can't even remember what happened, but I remember walking out into the, to the garden. My, my wife was watering the garden and I walked out and I said, I have finally figured out what is holding me back. And, and it was that, that, um, I was completely, um, discounting how different working in corporate is to actually owning my own business because working in corporate um, you know, and I had I'd worked my way up, right? And so I was part of a r- really tight-knit team that I really enjoyed, and we did some really great things. And so when I stepped out of that, what I didn't realize is that now I was the product, right? Before, it was so easy for me to go into board meetings and present um, products that I had been part of, that I had helped, design, right? Cause I, I designed financial products, right? And so that was, that was so easy to go in and talk about those, but that wasn't really my product, you know, but now I'm the product. So that's a whole different can of worms. Yes. Yes. And that, that, that was really tricky for me. And hopefully me going through that, well, first of all, I'm thankful that I was able to get through that. And, and also I hope that I can help other people get through that too, because I know there's so many people out there that are making that transition from corporate to, you know, an entrepreneur and, um, it's, it's a, it can be a tough one.
0: Mm, Yeah. And thank you for sharing that because Mm -hmm. yeah, not, you know, not, not everything is roses, right. When you start Mm -hmm. doing something different like that and yeah, like working in a job Where you get paid and you sell things for other people is, yeah, very different to selling Mm -hmm. um, a product that is you essentially, yeah, or your knowledge or your, um, you know, something you've made or whatever. Yeah, it's it's quite different. I I resonate with that as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, um, very, very useful, I think, to a lot of my listeners, wherever you are in your. Um, in your career or with perhaps you're thinking of starting a business or maybe you've already started one or you've started one and it's not going that great yeah there's something for everyone Mm -hmm. I think yeah yeah so is there anything else that you would like to tell the listeners about before we sign off today
1: Um, people
0: like if people are like oh my god I love Elizabeth I want to work with her how can (laughs) they get in touch with you
1: uh, well, it's to sell
0: yourself, darling. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's just talk about the value, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, I um, well, uh, as I said, my company is called Financial Story, and uh, you can find it at myfinancialstory.com or just my first and last name, ElizabethRalph.com, and um, I have a program. And I basically take people through a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. And the whole goal is to get you out there making money sooner by, uh, putting a money strategy in place and also getting you closer to your money, showing you how you can separate your beliefs about money from your company's belief and also from your customer's belief, right? Because what you believe doesn't, doesn't necessarily, we think that what we believe about money, our customers think too, but they don't, right? And the sooner we can sort of break that tie, the better off. Um, and I just, I, I feel like I'm really helping people, you know, besides get their, get their business going sooner. I feel like I'm really helping people in terms of just their overall, um, clearing that path to financial freedom for them because um, that once you can actually cross into not being so dependent on, um, you know, going out there and, and having to do something to actually pay the bills, once you can cross that line into having your portfolio pay for it, and it doesn't even have to be all of it, right? It doesn't have to cover your full cost of living. There's actually different stages of that. But, um, I really help people, um, move in that direction. And I would say... Uh, it's a three month program and, and coming out of it, I would say that or you feel very, very different about your money. You feel very uh, much empowered um, about your money. So um, I, uh, it's closed right now, but um, I'm opening it again in mid June. So I would say the best way is to just direct message me. You know, I'm on Instagram uh, a lot, just Elizabeth, Ralph, just, my full first and last name. It's just at Elizabeth Ruff. Um, same thing on Facebook. Just okay. you can direct message me there, or you can go through the website. And, but but feel free to, you know, um, ask me questions about this stuff. And I would love to hear. Like, I definitely want to hear when you guys come up with a new name for revenue strategies. <laughs> I can move away from that because it's always like a bad word. But I want. I would love to hear about how. Like, does this stuff resonate with you or, you know, is there something I'm missing too that I could help people with? Like, is there some other, um, you know, I don't claim to have, you know, um, all the answers here. So, um, I'm always exploring new, um, new ways that people are struggling with money that helps me. Right. Right. Yeah. So
0: when's the date for your, your program opening again, you said mid June.
1: Yeah. So it's mid June. So I haven't set the exact date. Yeah.
0: So I think if people are listening to this episode, they'll be just in time to join perhaps. So yeah. um, If we get a date for that, we will add that to the show notes. If you're interested in joining the program, I'll do
1: that. I will send you, yeah, I'll send you the date for that and the, um, and the link if you want.
0: Yeah. that will be awesome. So yeah. If um, you enjoyed uh, what Elizabeth had to say today and you know, this is something to work on then maybe this is where we need to be spending some of our time and putting our priorities on. Yeah. Making it a priority and Mm -hmm. then letting that uh, take its course because yeah, once you get money working for you, it just sort of does it right. And then you can, (laughs) you don't have to work so much.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, it's funny because you would think that um, sort of, taking on something like this, like really sort of getting your arms around your money, like you would think it, it would be more stressful. But um, the feedback that I've gotten is that you actually feel so much better afterwards. You feel yeah. less stressed because, yeah. you know, because honestly, hope isn't a strategy, you know? It's really not. It's not a good strategy. And I know that people kind of hope they're going to make money. They hope they're going to do better. They hope they're going to. But taking that hope off of the table and actually knowing, well, you know, if I do XYZ, then this is gonna be my likely outcome.
0: Right. It you know, yeah. kind
1: of feels good, you know.
0: Yeah, I can definitely resonate with that. So yeah, let's stop avoiding what needs to be dealt with. And yeah, make your money work for you and instead of having to work for it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hmm
0: Yeah, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and I really appreciate you like sharing, you know, your journey with money, and um, you know, giving us a little taste of how how we can, you know, start working on our own money stories and improving our way of thinking about money. But also just to know that you don't have to put up with this. Like this doesn't have to be like this. If if it is that money is the stressful thing for you, it doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. So all it takes is a little action you know, to do something a little bit differently or, you know, maybe try Elizabeth um, course or whatever. Yeah. You can move on from it. Yeah. We can change.
1: Yes, definitely. Because we see that these uh, sort of, you know, what we talked about in the beginning with, uh, you know, the beliefs, right. We see that this proliferates itself through generations of these, these things that we believe about money and, uh, I think it's just better just to go ahead and um, create that new relationship and get on a better, more level playing field with it. And it it really does open up the doors in a, in a lot of new ways.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And you're I c- hope welcome. to see you in person again somewhere in the yes. world sometime.
1: Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on here, Jane. I just think so highly of you and, um, I really, really appreciate this time to um, spend with you and get to talk to you. So yeah, I exactly. would love to see you in California. <laughs> for
0: you can come to Japan, yeah.
1: <laughs> I would love to go to Japan. Oh my gosh, I can imagine that the, uh, my grandfather was actually in Japan for a little while. And so my entire life, he just told me how much he respected the Japanese people and how, you know, they were just so, I don't know, he just loved like the, the properness of it and uh the politeness and all that so i you know i grew up hearing that um right.
0: yeah. and
1: so yeah i would i would love to to come to japan someday for sure
0: okay let's make it happen yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> okay take care
1: all right thank you jane
0: bye
1: okay bye
0: So, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Elizabeth Ralph from Financial Story. So, I had such a great time talking to her, and it would, and you know, I love doing podcasting for so many reasons. You know, I get to talk and people listen, you know, but also, you know, I get to talk to you know my guests, and you know I met Elizabeth in real life last year in October, but we haven't actually spoken. I don't think since then you know we've chatted and messaged and all of that, but we haven't actually spoken to each other since then, so if anyone's thinking of starting a podcast, then this is one of the really great benefits of actually doing the podcast is you get to. Make a time and people show up and talk to you, and you can just even be in your own house, etc. So, I was just talking to, and now I was just talking to Elizabeth, and she's in San Diego. Um, a few weeks ago, I was talking to Gretchen Miura, who's up in Akita. Um, I was talking to Jasmine, who's in California a few weeks before that, you know. And so, I don't even have to go anywhere, <laughs> but I can have these really awesome conversations and find out cool things from um lots of people all over the place and so it's not just about creating content to fill in my episode that comes out every Monday for me, it's a wonderful way to connect with people and get to know people So if you're considering doing a podcast and what's stopping you is you know, oh, it's a lot of work, I don't know what I'm going to say. That sort of thing, then, yeah, I encourage you to think about, you know, instead of what it's going to cost you, which is, you know, it will take some time, etc. what you will gain from it. If you focus on that, you'll be able to get moving forward a lot more easily, I feel. And um, we were actually, after we stopped recording, we were actually talking about should Elizabeth start her own podcast, and I was encouraging her to because – well, one, it seems that people have been asking her to start one. So that's always a good sign, right? <laughs> but, you know, two, it's it doesn't have to be hard. You know, it can be as hard as you want to make it. It can be as easy as you want to make it. And it can be as perfect or as imperfect as you want to make it. And I encourage you to not aim for perfect because nobody's actually going to appreciate it for, in its perfection. But people will appreciate you for being real and just doing it in your own way, however that might be, and so for me that means we don't edit. We just talk. If something happens, then that we just kind of leave that, and unless it's something drastic, um, you know, we very rarely edit. Um, what else? You know, I, you know, when I do a solo episode, I often will make sure I've just got some main points written down, and then I'll just speak freely because I feel that's more natural and that you know you guys don't want to listen to me reading like a script right (laughs) you're here for the connection for the conversation not to be not to not for the lecture kind of thing so yeah that's just some ideas around podcasting so if you are thinking of starting your own podcast there as an increasing number of podcasters here in japan and so you're going to be in good company please let me know if you're doing it because i'd love to support you or you know make you part of our community and yeah, it's great to have more people podcasting about life in Japan, especially um, if that's what you're going to be doing, so that would be great. So yeah, if you are interested in joining Elizabeth's course, which um, she just happened to mention that it just happens to be opening up, and I was like, oh wow, well, that's that's great timing, because when this episode comes out, then she, her course will nearly be opening up again, so um, if Elizabeth's words really spoke to you today and you're like, yeah, I'm sick of this. I really want to change how I approach money. I want to change how I deal with money in my business or even in my life. Then um, just go to the show notes. You'll be able to find all the links you need to um, join up. I'm sure there'll be some sort of free training or something that you can access anyway, even if you don't want to join the course. And please do follow Elizabeth on Instagram at, at Elizabeth Ralph because she she has the most beautiful horses and, you know, I mean, I can't, like I said, I can't get near horses because I'm allergic to them. But, um, you know, what she and her um, wife are actually doing is, um well, like she didn't mention all of it, but their dream is to be able to have a facility where they can take care of of unwanted horses, you know, and there are just hundreds of them apparently um, that, you know, need a home. So that is such a beautiful mission that she's on to create this um, space that will take care of horses that no longer have a place to go. And I just love that. So yeah, definitely follow what she's up to over there, especially if you're a horse lover. And um, even if you're not, <laughs> I'm sure you soon will be if you um, see what see these beautiful animals that she takes care of. All right. So that is all I have for you today. I really hope you enjoyed that. A um, little different having an overseas guest on the podcast, but it's good to have a different perspective on things too, I feel. So Um, I'm really glad that Elizabeth was able to come along today and talk to us. So I'll let you know if she does start her own podcast, because I have volunteered to be one of the first guests anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it all goes in swings and roundabouts. Okay, so have a wonderful, wonderful week, if you're listening to this on Monday, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. 皆<笑> そう、で、、今は馬をあの、あの あの、<笑>あの、あの、あの、あの、て 目が<笑> あの、例えば <笑>あの、あの、あの、今 多分あとあの、お客さん集まらで、そのお金がふわっと私のところに来てもらうもらっちゃったらもう こう<笑> なんかのでバリュー、うん。<笑>あの、そういう面白い<笑> えっと<笑> エピソードの勉強したこと教えてくださいお待ちしています ok have a good week and see you again soon bye bye <音楽>